Father, I thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for that mercy, that grace that you supply every morning, God, every morning. And we thank you for this morning that you've anointed us to come and worship you and praise you and honor you and glorify you, God. You have went before us and planned the order of this service, and now your word must go forth to your people, open up their hearts and minds to receive what it is that you want to plant in them, God. So, Father, move me aside, and may your spirit just work through me. In the name of Jesus, and the church said, amen, 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 amen. That spirit, that spirit, spirit-led life, spirit-led life. Past few weeks, we've been distinguishing between the sinful nature and our spirit nature, the spirit of the Holy, the, the nature of the Holy Spirit within us. And I, I pray and hopefully that we understand which route to take, which path of life that we should be on. We can talk about the fruits of the Spirit. How wonderful the fruits of the Spirit are. We can be encouraged in them. We can have joy in them. We can be encouraged in knowing all about the fruits of the Spirit, church. But the most important thing for us as Christians, the Spirit revealed to me, is to make sure that we know and believe who we are in Jesus Christ. We must learn to trust God at his word, church. When he tells us who we are in Christ. This is for the universal church, the whole body of Christ. The enemy, the enemy is picking on the church. The enemy is bullying the church. And we have to know and believe who we are to fight this battle. To fight this battle. We have met too many of us Christians that live in depression, that live in anxiety, that live in fear, in sadness, in loneliness. We have too many of us Christians that live powerless. Powerless. These feelings and these emotions that I just explained are not of God. They are the opposite of what the Bible says being strong in the Lord is. They are the opposite of being mature in Christ. Now I know we'll never be fully mature until we see him face to face. And Lord knows I still have some growing up to do. So, But we have Christians worldwide that are still on the milk, as the Bible calls it. And sometimes we're satisfied 
will stand on the bottle. Because with growth, because with maturity, because with knowledge comes responsibility. But it also comes with power. We forget that it comes with power, church. So sometimes we'll rather stay under the word instead of in the word. And the only reason some stay on that milk is they don't understand and they don't take God's word seriously. They don't take God's word seriously enough to know that it's for them. To know that God's promises are for them. They refuse to trust God, to believe in his word. Believe in his word that says who they are in Christ. So there's no desire to grow. There's no desire to be made new. They'd rather stick with the old. And the church cannot grow in its maturity that way. Now there are some gifts. There are some gifts within the whole body of Christ. There are some hidden gifts some hidden talents. And it's not because of fear that they are not on display. It's not because of fear that fear of, of interaction that they're not on display. Because if the assignment was for the world, we would jump at the chance to glorify ourselves for the world. We will jump out the chance to tell the world who we are and what we do. But the assignment is not for the world. The assignment is for God. We see it on social media all day long. Glorify, glorify. But God needs true work. People that know who they are in Christ. See, it's not just fear that stops people from walking in their gifts or doing what the Lord asked them to do. Because we can do all things in Christ Jesus. Amen? The problem is in the church's maturity. It is maturity. And this is God's ram. This is God's ram. And God knows our commitment. He knows our dedication. He knows our relationship with him. He knows our knowledge of him. Not only in the book, but also the knowledge of his heart. The knowledge of God's heart. So sometimes God may just instill a fear in us because he knows that maybe we are not 
ready because we're not mature enough. We're not mature. Now, there are gifts within the body that we're not mature enough yet. So God hasn't poured them out upon us yet. God has spoken to me about gifts that he has for me. But he's also told me, Ron, you're not ready yet. You're not mature enough yet. So I don't know about you, but I want my gifts. I want my gifts. And, and, and milk does the body good, but milk does not fill me up. So I want my gifts. So that's encouraging for us to continue growing. I want to read what, what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians, not up here. He said this. He says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you are still, you still aren't ready. For you still are controlled by your sinful nature, church. Growth, maturity. God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow behind, beyond the stages of milk and immaturity. So as we strive for a deeper spiritual experience in Christ, there's a truth in growing maturity that we must always remember. Knowing and believing who we are in Christ, church. Growing spiritually in the knowledge of the Lord. Growing in the knowledge of who we are in the Lord. That's the only way that we can grow. Knowing that you are made righteous in the Lord. Righteous in the Lord. Stand upright in the Lord. Hold your head up high. You are a child of God. Knowing that you are holy in the Lord. You were created to be a new person in the Lord. Knowing that you are more than conquerors. That you are overcomers, overcomers of the sinful nature. You're overcomers because you are now of the spirit. You are of the spirit. Now, as I said, these fruits that we're going to talk about are encouraging. They're delightful to know. But if you are not living by the Spirit as a person of the Spirit, these fruits will not develop in you the way God wants them. These fruit will not even grow in you the way God wants them, church. We need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. As Paul says in Galatians 5, 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's, the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Meaning that if we're being in Christ, we're of the Spirit, we're a person 
of the Spirit, live as that person. Live as that person. Now, we all call ourselves Christians, and that means you're a person of the Spirit now. Identify with who you are. We should not be claiming that we are saved and of the Spirit, but being led by the flesh. That's a no-no. So if you're a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, be led by the Spirit. You were born again of, of the Spirit as a new person in Christ. And you might say, Pastor, well, I don't feel like a new person. You're not trusting God. You're not believing in God's word. Know that you are that new person. Know it. And then you can live it out. Because knowing who you truly are, it will change your life. It will change your life. And that's one of the reasons God gave his, his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will be made new. Will be made new. The purpose of being born again in the spirit is to conform to Jesus Christ, to the image of Jesus Christ. The purpose, church, when a, when a baby is born into this world, a new person is born into this world. Me and my wife uh, recently had the blessing of, of a new granddaughter into the world. And we thank God. We thank God. And her growth, as she grows, her life will start to resemble her parents. Ron Jr. and his fiance, Brianna. Her life will start to resemble them as parents. When we are born again in the spirit, when we are born again in the spirit, we, a new person arrives. A new person arrives with a spiritual life, church. A spiritual life. And as we continue to grow on this faith journey, we should start to resemble Jesus Christ. Because we're new. We are made new. We're not the old. We just heard the song. We hear it every week. We're new. Know who you are to fight this battle. Fight this battle. Made in the image of Christ. Romans 8, 29. This is, this is amplified. Amplified. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. Amen. 30 says this. And those who he 
predestined you. He also called you. And those who he called, he also justified. Hallelujah. Declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. Hallelujah. Raising them to a heavenly dignity. Amen? Being in Christ should humble you. It will humble you, church, because you are called by God. God picked you. He picked you to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Under. That means you are no longer number one. You're no longer number one. And when we get that concept, when we get that concept of knowing that we are no longer number one, that is the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of wisdom, church. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Putting yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ is expressing your reverence for God. Expressing your reverence for God, which is the healthy fear of the Lord. The healthy fear of the Lord, and that is where it all begins. That is where it all begins. You see yourselves with the contract heart. With the contract heart. You surrender to Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. Hands held high, knees to the ground in surrenderance under his lordship, humbling ourselves. And God will raise you up. God will raise you up in heavenly dignity, church. God will raise you up. Isaiah says this, for the high and exalted one, he who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, says this. I dwell on the high and holy place, but also with the contrite and humble in spirit in order to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the spirit of the heart of the contrite. Overcome with sorrow for sin. See, if we're not in sadness or depression because of our sin, if we're not living in fear or sorrow of our sin, we should not be in these things. We should not be feeling that way. If we're not overcome, overcome by our heart, our heart condition, and that is the sin which I'm referring to, our heart condition towards God. If we're not overcome by that condition, then we should not be overcome by anything. We should not be overcome by anything. Matthew 10, 28 says this, not up here. It says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
We're allowing the world to destroy us. To destroy our minds. To keep us in darkness and sickness and disease. Don't know who we are. Because we don't fear God. We don't humble ourselves before the Lord. With a contrite heart. See, this is knowing who you are, church. This is knowing who you are. And God acknowledged those and accept those who confess who they are. See, no one, no one who still lives for their sinful nature, their flesh, would never put their lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They won't do it. They won't do it. Even some Christians. Even some Christians. He may be their savior, but they won't allow him to be the Lord of their life. They will not submit under his lordship. They will not. If you still live under flesh, you will not allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You might say he is, but our lives may tell a different story. But only the broken and contrite heart that know their sin will allow it. Only the broken and contrite heart who know their sin will place their lives, humbly place their lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look what the psalmist says here. Psalms 51, 17. My only, this is amplified, remember, my only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. Broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin. Thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. Come to God with a broken and contrite heart, sorrowful for your sins, and he will not despise you. He will not despise you. But he will lift you up into the person that he created in Christ. That's his promise. That is who you are. That is who he wants you to be, church. No more living for the flesh. No more living in the natural. No more living in the natural. Because you now walk by the Spirit. You speak through the Spirit. You talk through the Spirit. You discern through the Spirit. You see through the Spirit. You're a spiritual being now. Made right in Christ. You act according to the Spirit because you know who you are. When we don't act accordingly, that means we don't understand who we are. We just as lost as anyone who's never been saved. And we don't want that as the church. We don't want that. You are a person of the Spirit, and now you can live a supernatural life. 
Understand what the Spirit does, church. The supernatural life. We don't think we have power. We don't think we have power. Because power, we so familiar with power with superheroes. Fake superheroes. The Holy Spirit is the real power. The real power. The Holy Spirit's supernatural guidance. The Holy Spirit's supernatural guidance is what the church must surrender to. That is what we must surrender to in order to live a supernatural life. We must be guided by the supernatural spirit of God. That spirit that's within you, within me, is supernatural. It's supernatural, church. Don't downgrade it in yourself. See, it's time, church. It's time that we come to the end of ourselves. It's time that we come to the end of our natural selves. Our natural selves. It's time we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus with a broken and contrite heart. And we tell him. And we tell him. And we tell them, Lord, not my will. Take my will from me. But God, allow your will to control my life. Let your will be done in my life. We tell them, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Lead and guide me. We throw our hands up in surrenderance because we know not what to do. We know not what to do, church. Surrender. Surrender. And that's when God will raise you up to dignity. He will raise you up to dignity and reveal the new person you are in Christ. You will understand your new identity in Christ. Because when we truly know who we are, we can begin to live as that person, church. Even though that sinful nature, that sinful flesh is knocking at the, the door of our minds, we don't answer anymore. We don't answer anymore. You're no longer meant to be simple. You're no longer meant to be uh, ordinary. No. You have been called to power. You have been called to power, church. You have been called to grace, to favor, righteousness, holiness, being made spiritual. You must now start to think in the spiritual realm. Think in the spiritual realm. Act in the spiritual realm. Don't be ashamed of it. Because you are now of the supernatural. You are now of the supernatural. Don't be ashamed of it. You have the power of the supernatural. You possess supernatural strength, church. 
to carry you. You possess supernatural wisdom to guide you when things get tough, when life gets hard. Because the supernatural means beyond and above the natural. You are beyond and above the natural. There are certain things that the natural man and woman can't do. But you have the power. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are not ordinary. The supernatural is where God operates. The supernatural is where God operates. So what does that mean? That is the realm of interaction between God and you. God and you. You are where God operates. Hallelujah, where spirit is. <laughs> Woo. When we allow the Holy Spirit to have his way within us, we will begin to live a supernatural life. That's no fairy tale, church. <laughs> That's power in the spirit. That's power in the spirit. Listen to this. The supernatural life is a Holy Spirit-empowered life. It is a life that depends on God for wisdom and strength. The Spirit alone gives life, and he alone can enable the Christian to keep God's commands. It's all about God. It's all about God. And Jesus gives us this understanding, because when he was here on earth, he surrendered his life to the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify God. Jesus, the one we're following, right? Our Savior showed us how it's supposed to be done. And he's the one we're worshiping right now. Why not follow his lead? The supernatural life is a Holy Spirit-empowered life. Praise God for a new life in the Spirit. In the spirit, being born again in the spirit. Supernatural life. A supernatural life that produces supernatural fruit. A supernatural life that produces supernatural fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because the Holy Spirit produces these fruit, there is no law against these. The power of love. The power of love. See, when you live in the supernatural, 
you can display those supernatural fruit. And the power of love is the greatest gift that God ever gave. The greatest gift that God ever gave is love. Is love. Simply love. But somehow we forget that. Somehow we reach for all these other gifts. <laughs> and we forget about love, where it all begins. Where it all begins, church. That's why it's the first fruit that grows into our hearts. See, God knows it. Joy. Follow the pattern. Why? Because we have nothing without love. We have nothing without love. But we must understand that it's not our love. Our love has no power. <laughs> it's God's love. And it's God's love that grows in this ministry, in our ministry, and in our lives. Within this church, it's God's love. It's God's love. the love of God that reaches others. It's the love of God that reaches others. Always keep that church. It's not our love being carried by the Holy Spirit. Nope. But we carry the Holy Spirit's love to share with others. It's not our love. Our love has no power. Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Because, listen to this. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. <laughs> we must identify what God is doing. It's not our love. Our love is un incapable of loving others as God desires. When we are operating in our love, we're operating in our sinful nature. Because our love is selfish. Our love is proud. Our love is sometimes rude. Our love wants to pick and choose who to love today. I don't feel like loving nobody today. How many times we've been in love over and over and over? I remember my conversation with God when I, I started getting serious about um, this journey. And one of my questions was, God, I, I can't, I don't think I can love everybody. I grew up my whole life pretty much just loving my family. I'm like, God, I got to love everybody. I, I don't think I can do that. I can't. I don't think I can love people that I don't know. I don't think I can love people that don't look like me. That was my conversation. And I prayed that God would just cleanse my heart. Because that was one of the, the main factors of, of being in Christ. Is love. Requirements. You have to love everybody. 
And I knew I couldn't do it. I knew it. I knew it. And it hurted me because I knew I couldn't do it. And so I, I kept praying about that thing, praying about it. And just out of nowhere, I'm, I'm here loving everybody. I mean, God just took my love out of the way and, and poured his love into me, the love that the Holy Spirit has in me. Think about yourselves with that. Think about how you became to love everyone. I mean, genuinely love. Genuinely love. As Jesus said, genuinely love. I genuinely love each and every one of you. Genuinely. And I know it's all God. I know it's all God. We must identify what God is doing. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who resides in us. So I want to take you through love. The love that Paul talks about. Let's go through that. That love. 1 Corinthians 13. Says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging symbol. If I hate the gift, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, yes, ma'am, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It says, love is patient. That's right. And, and remember, this is not our love. This is the love that God in us. That's why it's this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. The love of God in us never fails. But where there is prophecy, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For, all, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, hallelujah, what is in part disappears. Mm. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. 
For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, church, is love. And we remember it's not our love. It's God's love empowered by the Holy Spirit in us. And in closing, listen to this. The purest and highest of all God's gifts of the Spirit is the grace of divine love. All the other gifts of the Spirit that Christians may exercise lack value and meaning if they aren't motivated by love. Hallelujah. We're going to reach for something, we reach for love first. That means that all the other fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, must be motivated by love. Peace must be motivated by love. Patience must be motivated by love. And it takes love to have patience for people. Kindness must be motivated by love. Goodness must be motivated by love. Our faithfulness must be motivated by love. Our gentleness must be motivated by love. That self-control must be motivated by love. See, God knew that our love could not do these things. Our love would not be motivated to have these fruit. Not being of the spirit, we have no desire to express these fruit. You know it and I know it. No desire. But see what God gives us when we accepted Christ. Place his love in us to share with the world, to glorify him. That is why we must separate ourselves of the flesh from the spirit. Separate ourselves from the flesh and the spirit. A clear distinction of being set apart. That's what God wants because we cannot operate in the supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit being led by the flesh. We can't. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is no greater love than one that lays down his life for one's friend. Jesus calls you friend. But the question is, do you call Jesus friend? Will you lay down your life for Jesus? Would you lay down your life for Jesus? 
Let us pray. Father, we say thank you for another opportunity, Father, to express your word, to express today, God, the transforming power of your word, of, of the Holy Spirit, God. God, we thank you for Jesus, God. Because all we did was believe in our hearts, God. That he would be our Lord and Savior. And you have delivered so much to us, God. All we had to do was believe. And you have placed in us so many wonderful gifts. You have changed our lives, God. From the born sinner to the reborn saint. God, continue your work in us, God. We know it's a lifelong process, God, but we are here to stay, God. Capital City Church is here to stay, God. But we must be guided by that supernatural spirit of yours. Because <laughs> we are people of the spirit now, God. And we acknowledge that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We don't claim to be of the spirit and walk in the flesh. Not here, God. We refuse to dishonor you in that way, God. We refuse, God. We want to be loyal. We want to be faithful to you, oh God. Not just for your promises, not just for your blessings, but because of who you are, oh God. Because of who you are. God, if I ain't got a dime in my pocket, God, I got you. I got love. And there have been times where I haven't had a dime in my pocket, but I knew you was with me. Your love endures all, God. I, I just thank you for your love that you've placed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of this is possible without that love. We would not get along without that love. We would not want to share a room with each other without that love. May we carry that love to our families, to our communities. Be led by your love, not our love, not our selfish love. Father, I'm holding myself accountable right now to that love of yours, Father. Father, I repent right now in the name of Jesus if I have been walking in the love of my flesh. Father, purge me right now of everything, anything that's not of you, God. Allow us, God. Allow us to walk in your spirit. God, we need reminding, God. We need reminding. Every chance we get, we need reminding, God. Our minds wonder, our hearts wonder, God. But stop us in our tracks and remind us, God, of who we are. We are people of the Spirit. People to honor you, God. Father, we just thank you for this time, this opportunity, God. It's all about you, almighty God. In Jesus' name, the church said, these altars are open.